If you have your Bible with you, if you'd open it, please, to Psalm 137. And if you're where you can at home or wherever you are, if you look in your Bible on Psalm, Psalm 137 in a moment, uh, we're going to read about the Hebrew people, and they were indeed in a very strange land. Now, let me clarify what I mean by strange land. I mean, when things are different, when things are not normal, when things are not what we have always been used to, I'm this morning grouping all of that into what we're going to think about as a strange land. And the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, the background of our little verses that we will look at this morning, they were living in a strange land. Here's what had happened. In, in, in 586 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came 1,700 miles to the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem sits up on top of a mountain called Mount Zion. And what Nebuchadnezzar and his army did, they deported not all of the Jewish people, but they deported great, great numbers of the Jewish people back to Babylon. Now, the reason he did that, not only was he a ruthless leader, but he was a very smart leader. His economy was sagging, was sinking. And he thought, if I bring these Jewish people back over here, they're good business people. And so they were allowed to have businesses. They could buy, they could sell, they could come, they go. They couldn't leave the land, but they were not slaves in the land like they were in Egyptian bondage. But there they were where they would be for 70 years. And they were homesick for their homeland. And so, if you look in Psalm 137, it all begins to make sense. The Bible says, and I'm reading this morning from the New Living Translation. Now, let me, before I read, say a little quick word about Bible translations. Whatever translation you choose, two things are a must. Number one, you want a Bible translation that is readable that you can understand what you're reading. But number two, you want a Bible translation that is reliable. You want it to be accurate to what the Scriptures really say, readable and reliable. Now, I've had the New Living Translation since 1996 when it first came out. And I've read parts of it and verses in it and chapters in it. But I decided in 2021 that I wanted to do some different things in my daily Bible reading time with God each day. And one of my decisions was I wanted to read through a Bible translation that I had never read through the entire Bible. So I chose the New Living Translation. It's not the only, but it is a good Bible translation. So I've been reading this, and in so doing, I ran across this Psalm 137, God put in my heart, it would be a wonderful thing to share with the people the next time I preached. And so that's what I'm doing this morning. Now, I want to encourage you, you, you read whatever translation that is readable to you and you feel like it's reliable, others say it is reliable, but I encourage you, if you're going to memorize Bible verses, 
land on one translation to memorize them from. If you try to memorize a Bible verse from the, this translation and another from this translation, I think you'll just be so confused you'll finally give up the whole deal. So read whatever you wish, but be that as it may, uh, I'm reading this morning out of the New Living Translation. Verse 1 says, Beside the rivers of Babylon, the Jewish people said, We sat and wept as we thought of Jerusalem. The rivers here, the Tigris River was east of Babylon. The Euphrates River went right through the center of Babylon. You've read about the Tigris and Euphrates River way back in the book of Genesis in chapter 2, where the Garden of Eden. So this, this area, no one's ever been able to say, here's the spot where the Garden of Eden was. But it's in this general territory that we know today, Babylon, Iraq today, in that part of the world is somewhere there was the Garden of Eden. Well, there they are, homesick, thinking about Jerusalem. They were so homesick, verse 2 says, we put away our harps and we hung them on the branches of poplar trees. And they said, man, we don't have the spirit to play any more uh, instruments or sing any more songs. And then in verse 3, it says, for our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. And they said to us, sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. You see, these Babylonians, when they had gone into Jerusalem, heard the Jewish people singing all these happy Jewish songs, these Mount Zion songs, these Jerusalem songs. And they said, look, we heard y'all sing these happy songs in Jerusalem. We want to hear you sing some of those happy songs now. And in verse number four, they responded with a very fair and good question. Look at it. They said, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land. Now, if you have a New King James Version, which many of you have, which is my very favorite of all, or if you have the ESV, English Standard Version, which is another wonderful and good version, uh, it uses a different word. It uses the word foreign land. In other words, it reads something like this. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Now, Interestingly, the old 1611 King James Version, I mean the, the one many of us just grew up, that was the only version we had, it may translate this word best of all. It translates it strange land. The old King James says, how can we sing the Lord's songs in a strange land. What do they say? In a different land. In a land that's not what we've always been used to. They're thinking about how their life was back when they lived in Jerusalem, and now they're here 1,700 miles away in Babylon. They said, look, we don't have any song in us. And sometimes in life, things happen, and we don't have a song in us. It's interesting. I think about the Hebrew people in this portion of time, fast forward 2,500 years to today, 2,500 plus years to today, we have more Bible than they had. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. They didn't. And we have their example to teach us 
And we ask the very same question. Life changes, this happens, that happens. What we're used to, no longer. What we're having is different. And we may not verbalize it this way, but in our mind we think, you know, how do I, how do I handle living in this strange land with all these things going on in my life at this particular time? Now, there are two ways that we can find ourselves in a strange land. You can be in a strange land, first of all, geographically. Geographically can put you in a strange land. Dottie and I, we grew up in the Atlanta, Georgia area all of our life. Everybody we knew lived there. All of our family lived there. I mean, that's where we were. And when God called me to be a preacher, and we felt God leading us to go to seminary in Fort Worth, we had to leave Atlanta, Georgia, and move to Fort Worth, Texas to go to seminary. So what did we do? We, we left the land and the people and all the family we had, and we moved to another location geographically. There was no family there, no friends there. We didn't know anybody. John then was six months old, so there was Dottie, six-month-old John, and myself, and we're in a strange land. By that doesn't mean it's bad, it just means it's different. It means we had to get, we had to get new doctors, we had to get new dentists, we had to find a new bank, we had to decide where we were going to go. We didn't know anything. So if you move, now, now many of you have moved short distances. I'm talking about moving from one part of the country to another part of the country. I mean, if you move from Pasadena Deer Park, you hadn't really, you know, that's not exactly a strange land. Or if you move to uh, Clear Lake or Laporte or, 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 wherever you, or you know, wherever you may move in this geographical area. But if you move a great distance away, you, you'll know the feeling. You've got to kind of like start in life all over again. Well, after seminary, God, God sent us to Tennessee. And same identical deal. This time, Joel had been born, and he was six months old. So we had Dottie, and six, and John now, of course, is, is, is older, and then six-month-old Joel. And we go to Tennessee. We did not know anybody. No family there. We, you had to start all over. Everything was different. Everything was uh, not as it used to be, and so you get used to it. Then you leave there, and uh, nine years later, and we moved to East Texas, Sulphur Springs. Well, same identical deal. We didn't know anybody there, no family there. Uh, it was like a strange land. It was good, but it was different, and you had to find all these things all over again. And then, 31 years ago, we moved to Pasadena, as John mentioned, to be the pastor of this church. Now, this move was not like our other moves because 31 years ago when, when, we, when, I, when we moved here to be the pastor, uh, I, in January, I, I moved by myself. Like Dottie didn't move. And John was already at Baylor. And Joel was a senior in high school and he wanted to stay in Sulphur Springs until he graduated, which was an understandable thing to do. So Dottie and Joel remained in Sulphur Springs, and I moved down here, lived in those little condominiums over by Bayshore Hospital, moved just enough furniture to exist. All of our furniture stayed back there. Not only did I know nobody here, I didn't even have my wife here. I didn't have my family here. I had to learn 
all, everything all over again. New doctors, new bank, new store, all this kind of stuff. And, and it, it's one of those times that you think, hey, you know, th- this is like a strange, a strange land, a strange season in my life. Now listen very carefully. Maybe many of you are never going to move geographically, but some of you will. And here's what you need to remember, and here's what I learned. Wherever you move, if God leads you, remember this, God travels. God travels. I mean, that would be true if you just change jobs in the same geographical location. That's kind of a frightening thing sometimes. Or if you're going maybe to a different school or whatever it is. Remember this, wherever you go, God travels. And as long as you know that, you're going to be okay. Now, number two, most of our strange land experiences are not geographical. They're circumstantial. You see, you can be in a strange land circumstantially. And that is a very, very true thing. All of us experience this. And if we live and Jesus tarries, we'll experience him more. Illustration personal. May 2nd, 2019, was a Thursday. Our family, everything was going good. Late Thursday afternoon, downtown Houston, Dottie had a very routine medical test. There was just something people have ever so often. And we thought nothing about it at all. So late in the afternoon, actually, I went, of course, took her, and I'm in the waiting room. It's so late in the afternoon, no one else is in the waiting room. I'm in the waiting room by myself. I'm reading some things. And after a while, a nurse came out and said, Dr. Edmund, Dr. Sutton wants to see you back with his wife, your wife. And I knew then that, you know, this was probably not going to be a very good report. Well, it was not a good report. It was on May 2nd, 2019, when I got back in the back, there he sat, there Dottie sat, and they were looking at a screen with a picture on it showing what they had found. And he said, I'm surprised myself. I didn't think we'd find this, but Dottie has lymphoma. Lymphoma is a form of cancer. And he said, she's going to have to, she's going to, have to immediately get to a doctor that treats lymphoma, and we'll help you work all that out. Well, here's the, here's the deal on that. We, we left. We got in the same vehicle. We drove back down same 45. We came back to the same house. We called both boys. But like, <laughs> everything changed. Everything, circumstances. Medically, one report, one doctor phone call, one exam, medically, physically, life can change that quickly. Well, that's, that's true. And then all the journey that Dottie went through from that point, and then we got just about to the point where she would be able to resume normal life. Then the pandemic came, <laughs> which just kind of delayed all that. But I'm saying this, and I'm preaching to some today who are watching my streaming. You are going through a physical time. It's like you're in a strange land. 
But remember this, God travels to strange lands. And whatever we go through out there, God is there. Well, beyond that, this pandemic, like almost it was, you know, we all learned about it pretty much somewhere in the latter part of February. In the latter part of January, a doctor told me, knowing Dottie was still working her way out of uh, uh, her immune issue, he said, look, I need to share something with you. He said, there's a bad virus. I don't know all the details, but we're going to learn more about it in a few weeks. But in the meantime, she doesn't need to be out anywhere much because this virus, she can't get this. Well, of course, in February and in March, we all you know, learned it. Now, since, since March of, of last year, soon be a year, would you not agree we have lived in a strange land? <laughs> I mean, everything is different. We wear masks, we social distance. You know, I've washed my hands so much, I've about washed them away. But we do all the things we need to do, and now we have the vaccine, and uh, many of us have had shot one. That may be the only good thing about aging when you're old you get shot one quicker <laughs> but but be that as it may it finally work its way out we pray but, but the, everything has just changed and the, it, it just reminds us that that's that's how life is circumstances have a way of changing a lot of things now i'm going to share another family illustration and I have permission to share it. Please understand, I would never share anything publicly that I've not asked permission. I think the majority of our church family knows by now that three weeks ago yesterday, three weeks ago yesterday, Charles Cowles and Jennifer and their three children, uh, Christopher, Caleb, and Jacob, left to go to Branson they had rented a little cottage somewhere away where they could be away from people and avoid the virus. But they would drive into Branson on three weeks ago yesterday afternoon. There was a, there was a vehicle accident. And the vehicle he was driving with his family in it went over, uh, let's just say it went off the highway and went down a bank and it crashed into a huge boulder of huge rock and it killed him and it very seriously injured Jennifer his wife and two of the three children very much well that three weeks ago I learned about that between services three weeks ago today at the end of the 930 service 915 service before this service Tom Gamble came back to my study to bring me that bad news, and there was a reason he did it, and I won't go into that. But be that as it may, <clears throat> Jennifer has finally gotten back. She's been through two surgeries. She's got a long way to go, and I'm not going into all that. But she and I, I've, 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 I've always had a good friendship with the Cows family, and they've been such a blessing. But she and I text a lot. Okay, uh, and we communicate that way. We have a relationship 
if I bring up something, say, would this be something that would be helpful? If she feels like, no, I don't want, she just says no or yes or whatever. We don't hurt each other's feelings, okay? We're honest with each other. Well, last week, I sent her this text. Now, I have her permission to read. Here was my text to Jennifer Cowles. I said, Jennifer, can I use without details the accident as an example of how circumstances change our lives? I went on to say, I'm using Dottie's lymphoma as an example. Then I said, if you had rather me not, no problem, be honest. And that's the relationship we have. And she is honest. She texts me back almost immediately. And I have her permission to read what she texts. She said, absolutely you can. You can tell any details of the accident. Never could I have imagined this. Also, Charles and I would want as many people to understand how quickly life can change and turn to God because He is all we have. Man, what? Let's just give God glory for that. Man, you talk about, you talk about a, a demonstration of faith and belief in God. That is it. Now, here's the question. This is what's on my heart to share with you. When we find ourselves in a strange land, whether it be geographically or whether it be circumstantially, here's the question. Like, what can we do? Now, if you're a note taker, I'm going to mention four things. I'm not going to elaborate very much at all on any of these four things. I'm just going to give you four things. If you're where you can watching online, these are four things you need to jot down. And I encourage all to memorize these four things because here's here's the bottom line. In life, we find ourselves in a lot of situations that would fall under the heading, a strange land. What we saw in Washington at the Capitol, <laughs> I've never in my whole life seen anything like that. Neither have you or anybody living. It's just unbelievable. We're living in a strange land. Things are very different. Things are not what we're used to. Things are not what we expect. And sometimes... We may just be going along great guns and knock at the door, phone call, test report, whatever, health issue. I mean, it just, it's, it happens. What do we do? That's just, you know, I don't need to try to convince you that there are times in life that are not normal. We all have lived long enough to know that. The question is, is there an answer? And the answer to that is, yes, there's an answer. And here is what these four things are. Number one, remember this, always, God is with you. Now, you need to just sink that in your brain. Whatever comes your way in life, the devil would never have you remember this one. You remember God is with you. Now, there are endless Bible verses and examples that teach us clearly that no matter where we go, God travels. God is with you. That day in that 
lobby when I went back to see the doctor and Dottie. It was not just the three of us there. God was there. And through all those hours of chemo and those long nights in MD Anderson, you could feel God was there. And that, when you know that, when you know that, it, it, it just energizes you. It encourages you. It helps you. Number two, write this one down. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. That's dealing with the omnipotence of God, all-powerful. That word sovereign talks about God rules, God reigns. God is in charge. I read a statement that was in a sermon that Chuck Colson preached. Now, some of you may not be familiar with Chuck Colson. He, he was one of President Nixon's uh, advisors. And during Watergate, he even finally pled guilty and was sent to prison. And while in prison, he came to know the Lord. And after he got out of prison, he began a prison ministry, one of the most effective prison ministries that we've ever had. And in one of his sermons that he preached, he said something that I'd never, I'd never read until just recently. He said, and I quote, the kingdom of God will not come on Air Force One regard, uh, no matter who is occupying it. And I thought, boy, how true that is. Folks, listen to me this morning. The kingdom of God is not coming on Air Force One no matter who occupies it. The kingdom of God is going to come with Jesus riding on a white horse. God is sovereign. And oh, if we understand that, if we believe that, we may never understand it, but if we just say, even though I don't understand it, I believe it, and I thank the Lord for that. Number three thing, when you're in a strange land, listen carefully, not only remember God is with you, and number two, that God is sovereign, number three, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and He will guide you, He will show you, he will empower you. He will be your greatest counselor, and He lives inside of you. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Now, number four. Number one, God is with you. Number two, God is sovereign. Number three, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And number four, number four, the end is good. The end is good. Never forget that the end is good. As recent as this morning, I received a text from a member who I had called and prayed with last night. His mother about to die. And this morning, early, I received this text saying she had died. And I text the member back that I had prayed with on the phone last night. And I said to him, for your mother today, I'm going to be preaching it today. Her end is good. Praise God. She's with the Lord. Folks, listen to me. If you are a Christian, if you've trusted Jesus, the end is good. Now, the opposite of that. 
The other side of that coin, if you're not a Christian, the end is not good. The end is horrible. Eternity, not with God. Eternity with the devil in hell forever and for always. And so my prayer today, and we saw it answered even in the first service, and I'm praying today in this service, and we have no idea those who watch. We, God sees what happens, but we at the moment don't see that. But here's, here's bottom line. For every person in this room today, and for every person who's watching today, we can come to the end of this service, and for everybody... They can say, my end is good. Now, my question to you this morning is, can you say that? Can you say, not that you've lived a perfect life, none of us do, but can you say, without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, I know there's been a time in my life where I've realized I'm a sinner, and I've asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, and to make me a Christian. Now, you may not remember the exact words. You may not remember the exact day and date, but you'll remember the experience. It's as real as if it happened yesterday, if you've had that experience. Many of you would say, Pastor, I know, I know that when I die, my end is good. Now, I'll be back in a moment to that. Number two, there will be many in this room today, I would believe, and many who are watching today that would say something like this. Pastor, I really do believe that I'm a Christian, and I really do believe when I die, I'm going to heaven. But to be honest, I'm not 100%. Now, let's think about that a moment. Let's hope that even though all of them are not, that are not 100%, let's just, let's just say, well, let's just hope they're all saved. They're 95%, and they, they were 95% right, and they were, and they will. Okay, but then, if they say, but I'm not 100% sure, here's, here's a problem with that. Even though one day their end will be good, they will go to heaven, but until that day in this life, they never have the peace that they could have. See, God wants us not just to enjoy the destination. God wants us to enjoy the journey getting there. And so today, for those who would say, no, my end would not be good. Well, I'm saying to you today, you can change that. To those who say, I'm not 100% sure. Listen, today you can change that. In a moment, we're going to have prayer time. And I'm going to lead you to pray. And you're not praying to me. You're praying to God. God knows your heart. And if you will go to God this morning and get your salvation settled, no matter what strange land you find yourself in, one day <laughs> you're going to be in God's land. And in the meantime, your journey getting there is going to be altogether different.